Merry Christmas from Conservative Conversations. Today we're going to be talking about the Houthi rebels causing trouble with shipping and supply lanes of the Red Sea, and Trump being kicked off the Colorado ballot, and more. So let's get started. Before we get started, listeners, I want to remind you to please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can also subscribe to the audios on YouTube. We would greatly appreciate it. And to get started, I'm going to first mention something that you listeners might enjoy, given that if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, it's Christmas Day. And if you'd like to watch something a little bit more cheerful and heartwarming, heartwarming, <laughs> heartwarming and non-political, Steven Crowder does a annual Christmas special in the past four years or so. He's done it, and he usually uh, gives away Christmas presents and money to families in need. And this year I thought it was a pretty good one. He had three different families on. They're really good stories. One of them was a family with a soldier. I forget what what branch he served in, but he has pretty significant cancer. Mm-hmm. He's gone through like a hundred and something rounds of chemo. Wow. Uh, and he's got a wife and three kids, I think. Uh, and they gave, they got gifts for the kids and some money to the family. Um, so that was pretty nice. And the, the other family was uh, the single mom. Or she appeared to be a single mom. They didn't mention the kid's father. But he lived in Georgia, not lived, but lives in Georgia, and he saved his classmate's life by performing the Heimlich maneuver on him that he had just saw a YouTube short on a few days before. Wow. So they, of course, gave some Christmas presents to him and his mom. And then the other family was a woman in Texas whose husband was in the military and died suddenly. They didn't really say from what, but she. they also had three kids and they helped them out too. So it was a pretty good episode to watch. And the whole time, this is why I think it's particularly special, why I wanted to mention it here, that even if you're not a fan of Steven Crowder or even a conservative, I think it's a pretty good episode to watch for Christmas. The whole time... At least as far as I noticed, nobody even referred to him as Steven Crowder. He was Santa Claus the entire time. He was dressed up in the outfit, did the whole voice and all that. And even all the way until the end of the episode when he interviewed two Marines that started the organization that he had partnered with, they even referred to him as Santa Claus. So I thought it was nice to, to see that. And it was definitely some touching stories to, to witness, I guess. Yeah, that I'll have a link to that uh, video on YouTube for it. That's good, because I'm not sure I've ever seen that routine. You say he does it every year? He has for the past couple of years. I definitely remember watching it last year. Well, that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like I said, I'll have a link to that, and it's definitely worth checking out if, you, if you're into watching stuff like that. Um... But I guess to get started with some actual news, I was going to start with this issue that some people may or may not have heard about. There's a group called the Houthi Rebels, 
which are most people refer to them as a terror group that are in Yemen. They're like a rebel group. Uh-huh. And lately they have been attacking or harassing ships that go through an area of the Red Sea called the, I'm probably not going to pronounce it completely right, the Bob El Mondel something. (laughs) Some important strait that goes through the Red Sea and it also connects to the Suez Canal, which some people may have heard of. And I think this is an important issue because a lot of trade, and in fact I have the number for it, according to the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development, 80% of the global volume of trade and goods is carried on the seas, which is a lot higher than I was expecting it to be. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, 80% of goods travel across the ocean and in particular there's a lot of oil tankers and stuff that come out through the Suez Canal and the Red Sea through the Middle East and it's important partly because you know it can have effects on consumers here at home because we certainly pay for goods and stuff that comes through that what that area of the world uh, I was watching an episode of Ben Shapiro, his show this week, and I wish he had mentioned where he got this graph from, but he put up some kind of graph that showed uh, a, a line, like a route, you know, highlighted from Singapore, which a lot of stuff comes from Singapore, mm-hmm. going to Rotterdam, Netherlands, and a ship traveling that route going through the Red Sea and this strait near Yemen takes a round trip, I think he said about 32, 35 days, something like that. But lately, they some ships have been going a different route because it's not so safe. Shipping companies aren't you know, sending their ships that way. Insurance companies that cover these ships are raising prices. But if they go a different route, I think some other route around Africa, the round trip is like 45 days or 42 days, somewhere around there, like a 7 to 10 day longer trip, which might not sound like much, but you know, it still has an effect on things. You know, Your ship needs more fuel to travel that longer distance, and I'm sure it's the case with some ships as it is with airplanes. The more fuel you carry, the less goods you can carry. And the less goods you carry, the less money you're going to make off of that shipment. Because you're not making money off of the fuel that you put in the tanker or the ship. You're making money off the goods that are being transported. Right. You know, and eventually as higher prices get passed down to... Consumers. Yeah, the end consumer, like, like it always does. So that's one issue that this can present is an economic issue higher prices and it can also have effect on you know other uh, uh, you know foreign policy issues or uh, uh, you know diplomatic relations however you want to say it 
Because another area where a lot of our goods come from and travel through is out of China and other Asian countries in that area, you know, Korea, Vietnam, Taiwan, Thailand. And if we're having a tough time keeping this small group of rebels in Yemen from holding up shipping lanes, why would a country like China not see an opportunity to go block up the shipping routes through the South China Sea and the Indo-Pacific? Right. So I, you know, it's, I think it'd be important to make sure, and this comes to another point that I was going to mention, that you know, our military is able to protect those shipping lanes. And this is, hold on. And the other point I was going to get to is at least like a personal opinion type of point is, you know, I'm not somebody who's necessarily an isolationist for reasons like this. You know, if our military is not protecting important trade routes that benefit now, even small developing countries, because one of the other things that this UN uh, report says that a lot more developing countries use uh, you know, trade routes by sea as opposed to other methods because they likely can't afford it. You know, developing countries probably don't have huge fleets of airplanes lying around. Right. Um, so I think it's, you know, an argument for why um, America shouldn't necessarily be so isolationist. But I also want to point out that I don't think we need to be uh, similar to that movie title that came out like a year ago. We don't need to be anywhere and everywhere all at one time. We should be smart and strategic about where we involve ourselves in foreign affairs. And I think this is one of those issues where it's certainly reasonable for us to be involved. Well, sure. I'm curious, is there a reason why the Houthis are doing this and targeting these ships? I mean, are they raiding them and trying to take supplies uh, for themselves? Yeah, they have. Or? There was one successful hijack a couple weeks or about a month ago, according to this Guardian article I'll have linked to. Mm. I think part of it stems from you know all this unrest that's boiling in the Middle East after October 7th I think and I could be wrong on this so if anybody's listening that does know feel free to correct me I believe the Houthis are a group that are backed by Iran mm-hmm. and <clears throat> of course they're always trying to uh, I guess stoke flames in the area I don't know but I guess it's just they just see an opportunity to cause more chaos while well see that's what I was curious if they need items that they're not getting so they're stealing them or they're just trying to make chaos in the I think they're just trying to make chaos because they they're using drones I mean probably like relatively cheap drones compared to like the drones our military has but Mm -hmm. They have some modicum of funds to be able to purchase things. Right. So it would seem to me, and of course I haven't 
know, dug too much into, you know, the Houthis and what they're all about. But it seems to me, yeah, they, they're mostly doing it out of chaos. Gotcha. Because there's plenty of it going on right now in that area. Yep. But I guess that's all I had. I just want to kind of talk about that issue and why I think it's kind of an important one to keep your eyes on and hope that, you know, the Biden administration and our military can get a good handle on it smartly before, like I mentioned, you know, other countries like China or you know, anybody else sees an opportunity to you know, cause more chaos on their part. Right. Well, that's certainly interesting. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to hear, you know, developments on that. Right. <clears throat> well, for the first topic that I found very interesting today, it was uh, a piece of news that came out, oh, I don't know, maybe a couple days ago. And it seems like everybody is talking about it, all the pundits and talking heads and, of course, some of the other politicians in the race. But there was a... A decision by the Supreme Court in Colorado, four to three, with the liberals winning, that they are going to remove President Trump from the ballot in Colorado. He's not eligible to be on the ballot. And they say it's because he incited a riot, you know, on January 3rd. Yeah, he engaged in insurrection. Yes. That's or right. as uh, Chuck Schumer once said, he engaged in interaction. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, that is a real quote, but I just think it's super interesting. So Colorado was the first, but Mm -hmm. there is like, I guess like 12 other states or so. Yeah, I've heard there's like a good handful of them. Yeah, that are also looking at doing the same thing and trying to remove Trump from the ballot so that he's not even listed on there. Not a choice. Yeah, I think there's already been a couple other states before that have tried, but Excuse me, that have already failed. I think like Michigan is one of them. Yeah, Michigan, and I I know there are others. The source that I provided that'll be in the show notes, they said a dozen states, and there was a graphic on the screen at that time that showed the states, Mm -hmm. but I didn't write them down. I didn't make a list of of all of them. But it does seem like there's a dozen or more that have tried this in some form or another to limit... uh, his name from appearing on the ballot. But what I find really interesting is, you know, like I just alluded to a second ago, you already have some of the other Republicans in the race coming out and saying some things. Mm-hmm. Nikki Haley and mm-hmm. Chris Christie, of course, amongst others. But the one that I love the most is that Vivek Ramaswamy. <laughs> okay. I've said before, and, you know, as we've gone over some of the debates and things like this, that Vivek, to me, is an interesting character because at some times he'll bash Trump. At other times, it seems like he's just holding on to Trump's coattails, you know, and just along for the ride. And here I think we have another example of that. He's come out trying to make headlines for himself based off this Trump thing, Mm -hmm. saying that he's going to remove his own name from the Colorado ballot. (laughs) How do you like that? (laughs) Yeah, I I think I heard that the other day, too, and the first thing that popped in my head was, that'll show him, Vivek. Oh, yeah, that'll show him. (laughs) I mean, I don't think you're really going to 
do anything by that. I mean, you're taking yourself off the ballot that not too many people in Colorado are probably going to vote for you anyway. And you're really going to stick it to who? The, the Democrats in Colorado? They don't care about you anyway, Vivek. That's exactly I don't get right. it. You're only hurting the people that want to vote for you. Well, and he had some kind of line. First of all, uh, he says that this is some kind of solidarity. He's standing in solidarity with uh, Trump or okay. something like that. But he also has a soundbite out about this issue that says that none of the other Republicans who are running, so Chris Christie, you know, you know the other ones, okay? Yeah. But he says that none of them should participate in a rigged general or something like that, and that basically that they should all stand in solidarity and remove their names. And I'm just thinking, what kind of a reality are you living yeah. in? Like. <laughs> He's so interesting and strange. Oh, he's a he's a character, all yeah. right. He's quite a character. <clears throat> but so he's gone from bashing Trump, which has happened at times. Mm-hmm. I think there were a few lines where he was bashing Trump in the last uh, debate. And now we're back right on the solidarity train. He's clutching onto those coattails. Uh-huh. If Trump can't be on the ballot, I won't be on the ballot. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Yeah, I, I don't know what to think about that. I just think it's so funny. Right. And here's another name that's come out of the woodwork to comment on this issue. Mr. Bill Barr. Oh, yeah, I just heard heard this recently, you too. You heard this quote? Uh-huh. He says that this will backfire. Oh, yeah. Because Trump, this is according to Barr, thrives on grievances mm-hmm. like a fire thrives on oxygen. Right. And that this has just given him, meaning Trump, another grievance. (laughs) So I think it's interesting because, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure Trump will try to sue. You know, we know how Trump is. He's a very litigious animal. Right. And uh, well, I've heard, I I, I think it it was one of Ben Shapiro's episodes this week. He, at the end of it, he did an interview with. Some leadership guy in the Colorado GOP, and they're definitely planning to appeal. They're they're working on it. I'm sure. I'm sure it will be appealed. I mean, he's got a lot of court cases going Mm -hmm. on. What's what's one more? Right. You know? So, anyway, I just thought that was interesting because right away when I saw the headline that he was removed from the ballot, I knew he was going to sue. Right, But to see these kind of reactions from other people— Especially seeing this gem of a reaction by Vivek Ramaswamy. <laughs> I just thought it was too good not right. not to talk about. But there is another case, as I've just talked about. You know, he's got cases going on all mm. over. He'll probably be in court for the rest of his life. That's what I imagine. You know, yeah, one they, might they say he's been be. in court for his whole life already. But he also, for a federal case that he's facing he and his lawyers did appeal to the u.s supreme court right stating that he was acting as president and should receive presidential immunity for this i think it's basically along the same lines the insurrection kind of stuff but the interesting thing here is that the timeline you know they're trying to appeal it to the supreme court Mm -hmm. because i think in march is like a deadline for, what, the general or something for the ballots to be whatever. I'm not sure exactly what the deadline is, but it's somewhere in March. Mm -hmm. I do know that. 
And so they were doing this appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court to try and get out ahead of that, to get out ahead of some of these date issues, some of right. the, um, you know, election related dates that they're right. going to be coming up on. But in an interesting ruling, even though, you know, I'm sure there's liberals out there who say, well, that's Trump's Supreme Court. You know, he put most of them on there, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. I mean, some right. But they won't hear that same point being made about these Supreme Courts and justices in the state of Colorado who are all appointed by Democrats. Right. They're all the good guys. Somehow the the conservative justices on the U.S. Supreme Court appointed by a Republican are bad guys. Well, it's one of the issues with the parties. You know, yeah. you, you join uh, a party and you put your blinders on. Yep. But... It's interesting to me that, you know, even though one may say that this is Trump's Supreme Court, mm -hmm. they just completely knocked this back out of court. They're right. not going to hear it. They're not going to rule on it. It's got to go back to the appeals court. And um, there is going to be a hearing in that case on January 9th. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Supreme Court just kicked it right out, because there's already a pending hearing. Mm hmm um, so on January 9th, we should get some more news from the appeals court. And then the hopeful thing is, is that if it does need to be appealed to the Supreme Court again, based on the appeals court ruling, there will be time, you know, between mm -hmm. basically the beginning of January the 9th to that March deadline that they're trying so hard to get a ruling before, right. before the deadline. They'll still have time to appeal it to the Supreme Court again. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, it's sort of is a nuanced case, and I don't have all the particular details about sure. it, but I sort of like the way the Supreme Court handled it, you know? Right. Because ideally it should be, just like we have sort of a bottom-up government, mm -hmm. the court systems work that way too. So right. you should go to local, state, you know, state Supreme Court, then federal appeals, right. then maybe Supreme Court. So they've been trying to leapfrog because of the the upcoming election. Uh -huh. Right. But well, I heard a good point made by somebody. I forget who it was. But the Constitution guarantees a speedy trial, but that's for the defendant. It do, it's not guaranteed for the government just to try to or the judicial system just to try to speed things up all they want. Because in this case, they've had like three years or so to bring these charges to Trump. Right. But they just sat on it. And now they're just trying to hurry up and get it all done. Well, that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. Well, it is if you have an agenda, and the agenda is preventing him from... Right, well, of course. Yeah, from being on the ballot or becoming president. Right. <clears throat> they're certainly playing with dangerous games. I've heard a lot of people use this term lawfare. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is definitely seems like what's going on. Oh, yeah. Well, and I just think it's interesting, you know, to go back to the Bill Barr quote, this mm -hmm. will backfire. Right. I just wonder. Because most people like an underdog. Right. You know, and, and yep. it's something we've said over and over as we've followed the debates. But right. Trump's the guy who's not on stage, but everybody's talking about him. Right. Uh, so I think it'll be really interesting to see how how this shakes out and whether or not Trump is given an opportunity.
to, you know, be on the ballot. I can't see why he wouldn't be. I, from a couple of different opinions I've heard, it doesn't really seem like the court has actual leg to stand on the Colorado Supreme Court. Just well, by the way, they're trying to interpret the language of the 14th Amendment. Well, I agree with you, but I'm talking about the people like Chris Christie in uh, the yeah. world who believe that he's going to be found guilty of some crime, too, and that he's not going to be eligible. He's going to be a felon right. and whatever. He won't even have the right to vote. Right. I just don't know about that. And I'd sort of like to see Chris Christie have to eat his words instead of a donut for a while. <laughs> uh, I think he will. Um, but time will tell. Uh, they're certainly trying all the things they can try to get you know, him not to be voted for, but it's not working. <laughs> I think Ben Shapiro is fond of calling him a mud monster. The oh, more yeah. mud you throw on him, the more of a mud monster he just becomes. Yep. He's impervious. But yeah, it, I think it will be interesting to see how it all shakes out. It's They're definitely playing a kind of a dangerous game because I've heard some people try to say, well, why why shouldn't other Republican states stop Joe Biden from being on the ballot? I mean, I don't think that's really the way to go, but you know, they started it, the Democrats. Yep. But we'll, we'll see how it all goes. And my next topic... I was going to mention the immigration issue again. We haven't mentioned it in a little while, but it's kind of been bubbling back up into the news. Recently, there is a new daily record set for encounters at the border for 12,500 or so wow. in one day. Goodness. And that's just in one place, right? Not Or is that the whole border? I think the whole border. I'm not sure, though. I did not get that clarification but i did hear somebody average that out and said if that were the limit or the number every day this year it'd be over four million people oh yeah which is like the state of kentucky that's like how many people live there well and to call back to something that we've done before i mean imagine imagine that they did move into kentucky i mean there would be gone kentucky overnight Right. So that's scary when you start to think about population in that, you know, coming in in waves that large. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, particularly since you know, nowadays it's not really all that cool to expect them to assimilate, you're eventually going to have some of the same issues that are occurring like over in, uh, I think, Ireland. Mm-hmm. Where they well, really all over Europe. Yeah, all yeah, pretty much. Where they're having so many foreign nationals come in, and particularly in some cases, heavy populations of Muslim people who aren't assimilating to the local culture. Like in Ireland, these aren't people who are becoming, you know, Irish Muslims, if you will. They're they're basically still bringing the whole country with them. They just happen to live in Ireland. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not certainly trying to suggest that they have to give up all of their culture. I believe, like, back in the early days of America, 
one of the ways it kind of worked was, you know, we'll, I don't know, whatever culture you were from Europe or wherever, Asia, you're that, that at home, but when you're out, you're an American. You know, you did things in the American way, you spoke English, you know, you, you know, learned and hopefully followed the you know, American Constitution and learned the American history. But when you're in your own home, certainly nobody would stop you from speaking your home language and making your home foods and all that stuff. Um, well, and plus it's just respectful. I mean, if you boil right. it down to an analogy and say, I'm a refugee or something, you know, I face some hardship because my house burned down, mm-hmm. so I'm staying with my neighbor. Well, you would want to observe your neighbor's rules. If they go right. to bed at 9 o'clock, you don't want to be up at... 10.30, having a party, right, watching yeah. a loud football game. You don't want to be, you know, et cetera, right. et cetera, eating all their food out of their pantry and leaving crumbs all over the place. Right. Whatever. You'd want to be a good house guest or a good, you know, whatever, you know. Right. <clears throat> right. You know, and just, just a stick of Ireland since it's not America. At one point, if you bring all these people in, is it not really Ireland anymore? Kind of like I said, it's just, you know, these people are coming from whatever countries they're coming from, but they're not adopting the Irish way of life. It's just like they're only living in Ireland and not really being, you know, in some part Irish. And, cer- as, you know, like I said, at a certain point, you're going to have a, a large majority, not majority maybe, but... A large portion of them, eventually, and how long until it's, you know, it's hard to do things the old Irish way. Yep. Well, and where are the Irish supposed to go? Right, yeah. I think that's a fair point, because I don't mean it literally in the sense of, you know, they're going to be kicked out of their country by these new immigrants, but let's say you get to that point where you've lost your mass and it's not it's now with the the muslims or whatever the people from haiti or wherever they're coming from but let's say you do want the old ireland where where are they gonna go right to create their old country again you know yeah it seems to me that you'd eventually get to a point where it'd be us or them you know and you're only trouble will come from that right yeah there's a conservative radio guy I used to listen to a while back. I haven't listened to him in a while. He's on Sirius XM. Uh Andrew Wilkow, I think you might have heard of him. Oh, yeah. I remember one time he he used to use the phrase something like, when you bring here, no, when you bring there to here, eventually here becomes there. Yeah. Something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. But I guess all that to say, you know, it's this immigration issue has certainly gotten worse. 12,500 people in one day. I, ho- I hope that's the whole border, not just one location. If that's one location, I can't imagine what the daily number would have been for the whole entire border. That'd be outrageous. Well, and the whole situation is outrageous because you got, you know, even your Democrat mayors and governors, or mostly the mayors, like in Chicago and in New York City, starting to complain. But they're blaming the wrong thing. They either blame the fact that Joe Biden's not providing them enough resources to deal with it, 
or they're just blaming uh, Governor Abbott or Governor DeSantis for sending the, the migrants there to their sanctuary cities where they supposedly are welcoming these people. Right. Instead of properly, you know, calling for actual enforcement of, you know, the border policies, keeping, turning people away. Well, I don't have facts or statistics in front of me on this issue, but I wouldn't be surprised, Reed, if it, it was a higher number for the daily average across the whole border, mm-hmm. because I know there's places that get hit a lot, like Eagle Pass, Texas. Yeah, uh, um, yeah that's a big one. So I could see big numbers in a place like that. But considering that there are these sort of known entry points or mm-hmm. whatever, these crossing points, I wouldn't be surprised if each of them had these huge numbers. Right. Now, I'm not saying that there are, but sure. I know that it's gone gotten so badly. You might have seen this, but uh, Governor Abbott in Texas even just signed an emergency order or something to that something yeah. along those lines that allows the local sheriffs and police to arrest illegal immigrants. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so right. I mean it's getting bad. It's getting yeah. bad bad. <clears throat> right? And what was I going to say? Oh. Uh, I didn't have this bit of info prepared, but if I find a link for it by the time you're listening to this, I feel like I heard they're starting to send people from the Bureau of Prisons to go help out mm. with the processing. Cuz there's not enough border patrol who's not patrolling the border because that's part of the problem you know is there's you know only so many people that can actually patrol the border and then they have to process all the people coming in there's only so many people that could do that that are supposed to be doing that so they're bringing in other departments that have nothing to do with immigration enforcement to help deal with it well i think we should i think we need more cops and less of these like social worker types. Sure. Well, I don't need them there, but right. for them to send the people from Bureau of Prisons makes sense to me. People like the U.S. Marshals mm-hmm. makes sense to me. Right. You know, people. If we can spare any cop from any agency, why well, say put them on the border? Right. I just don't want to see teachers and what did I just say? Social workers right. and those sort of bleeding heart types down there. Anybody but them. Right. Well, I mean, I think part of the problem was even with sending those other departments down there is they're just going to help process the people. They're not going to turn them away, which is what needs to be happening. But you'd hope, I mean, at least it's in the name anyway, you'd hope that somebody from the Bureau of Prisons is going to understand, you know, certain things that somebody, a social worker might not. You know, they might be down there to advocate for the families and the children and whatever, and we need more supplies to feed them and give them blankets and whatever. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't have those things. Sure. But I just think it should be treated a little more sternly after all this time. Oh, let's yeah, just of course. S- take off the kid gloves mm-hmm. and let's solve this. Right. <clears throat> I mean, I know another issue that's come up regarding this recently is there's this woman who put out a video of herself on a Delta flight pointing out how many migrants there were 
in the premium cabin. And, you know, she was complaining about this is our, our tax dollars are paying for these migrants to fly on these Delta flights, which uh, I mean, seems to me could be questionably legal because presumably if they're showing up here claiming asylum, they don't have passports. Because if you have a passport, my understanding is you can just walk right in here into our country. And if they don't have a passport, they likely don't have any legally required documentation to be boarding flights. So how are they getting away with allowing these people on flights where, you know, Americans have to abide by certain rules, but they don't just because the government needs to ship them around the country that they're letting in anyway well, when exactly they shouldn't it. be it? It's a double standard. Right. We, we've seen that over and over and over again with the left. It's a leftist thing to have double standards like that. And they're using these people for political gain. Right. So, and the writing's been on the wall for Uh a long time. That's why I really think, you know, compassion, you can talk about compassion all day long. Right. I have nothing against it. But I think the time for compassion has passed. Right. I'm not saying we just throw compassion out, but it's time to actually... Do something here, right? <clears throat> yeah, because you know it it harms everyday Americans in multiple ways. Because if there are more people coming here, take they take up our our, our resources, particularly Absolutely. particularly if they're not paying into the system legitimately, which most of them usually aren't. You know, they don't have jobs where they're paying taxes like the rest of us would if we have a job and all that and no and they this is a common point that (laughs) if anybody's a fan of south park you know they took their jobs right i mean that's a real thing if an immigrant comes into this country willing to work under the table for significantly less than what you know, an American is legally supposed to be paid, or however, then there are certainly businesses willing to take that risk who will pay that immigrant less and avoid, you know, taxes and whatnot and get cheap labor, and it puts an American out of a job. We should be focused on them first. And this is one of those cases where, kind of like you said, it's certainly past time for an American and an America first uh, point of view and solution. Yeah. I absolutely believe that. I mean, we've covered all of this before on the channel. That's one of the things that's been baffling me. You know, as we wrap up this year, it's December 22nd as we record this now, but over this year and especially as it comes to a close, I feel like we keep repeating things that we've said before on the channel. And it's not just for an effect. It's not just right. a call back to episodes that we've done before. But, you know, if you look at, at this case, I, I know we've commented before that some people will callously say that these are jobs that Americans don't want to do. Well, yeah. I find that unbelievable. Me too. I mean, I I think that could be true in some cases. Not everybody likes you know, every job, but... If there's somebody that really needs a job, I'm sure they're going to be willing to take what they can get. 
Well, absolutely. And like you said, maybe it's not just for you. If mm-hmm. if you live alone, but let's say your mother's sick, your daughter's sick, right. your wife is sick, something's wrong, and right. you need health insurance, you mm-hmm. need money, you need, well, that'll change a lot of hearts and minds, mm-hmm. you know, necessity like that. Right. And you'll go scrub a toilet. Right. I mean, uh, that show was the old show of Mike Rowe, Dirty Jobs. Mm-hmm. He talked to a lot of people who did gross things like cleaning sewers, you know, I don't know, you name it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people seem to take pride in what they do. Somebody's got to do it. So why not them doing it the best they can? Because it's a job that needs to be done. And they're willing to do it. They get paid. And some of these jobs, they get paid a lot because the, the market form is so few. Right. You know, supply and demand, the supply of people that want to do these jobs, you know, eagerly, is not very high. So they don't have that many people that do them. So oftentimes, they get paid pretty well. Right. But yeah, I, I've always thought that was kind of a silly argument. They're, Americans don't want to do these jobs. I, I don't think so. I think it's foolish. I think it's um, almost... Like a propaganda mm-hmm. sort of line. Right. I mean, how different are, and I'm just going to say the Mexicans, I'm not picking on the Mexicans, but how different are they from Americans, honestly, that they want to do these jobs more than us? I don't think that makes any sense. No. But, yeah, this immigration issue is certainly getting worse and worse by the moment. I don't think it's going away anytime soon. But we can hope. Yep, <laughs> certainly. But that's all I had on that, and I believe that's all the stories we got for this week. That's all I got. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this great conversation, and if you did, please be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, many more. And you can also find us on YouTube. Please subscribe there. Be sure to check out our other channel, the Wiki Wacky Radio Show, for alternative content, including shorts that we're now offering. We hope that you'll share us with a friend. Send our link. Give us a thumbs up wherever you're watching this or heart. And we hope you had a very Merry Christmas. And as always, we thank you for listening.